It's showtime. Okay, Tokyo, South America, Australia, France, Germany, UK, Africa. Here we go. Head on with Bob Kincaid. Three hours of conversation, cussing and a discussing with America's only born and bred Southern liberal talk host. Head on with Bob Kincaid is brought to you each night by Coal River Mountain Watch. Coal River Mountain Watch invites you to become part of the solution, part of a sustainable future, part of the uprising against mountaintop removal. Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. And now, from high in the hills of beautiful West Bicod, Virginia, here's Bob Kincaid on the Head On Radio Network. Well, howdy. Well, here we are, off and running on this 19th day of January 2023. This is the Horn. Head on dot live is where you'll find us on the interweb tubes. That's where you go if you'd like to be part of the merry, wacky, zany, real-time madcap multimedia extravaganza that is the Horn chat room in the three hours in which this program is live, Monday through Friday, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, all times in between, and the Great Globe Round, and whatever time it is, where you, wonderful you, are listening to the podcast. Hi, I'm Robin, and uh, however it is that you listen to the program, live or via the podcast, and wherever, whenever, uh, we so appreciate it. And that's more than just me and my that mouse in my pocket. Um, she's not back here a lot, but Annette plays a vital role in this program getting to air. And the all-volunteer staff plays a vital role in this program getting to the air. Brother Deacon Asa, uh, well, and and the uh, chat room moderators, goodness me. If you pop over to uh, headon.live right now, well, you will, of course, be greeted by the early arrivers to the program. And in this case, that means uh, that would mean Squeaky and Theo up in the great northwest. Um Thank you both so kindly for being here early and uh, welcoming the rest of the group as they come in. You're moderated this evening by, cap- uh, capably moderated, I might add, by Horn Chief Agronomist and uh, Head Mathematician Roger in Oregon, uh, also uh, Bud Trimmer Emeritus. Hey, Roger. <sighs> yeah, and uh, like I said, wherever and however you're listening to the program, pretty please, if you would like and if you would subscribe, and if you would, uh, you know, share the program with others and tell your friends and neighbors about this uh, exquisitely unique little broadcast experience, you know, it's not a listening experience. It's a participatory experience. I mean, we chat, we email uh, throughout the day. And then uh, we gather for the live program. Some of us do. Others of us. Uh, message during the off, off hours that uh, uh, the program isn't on the air. 
but making the algorithms aware that you you like the program it's terribly terribly important and it also uh, makes a certain brother deacon uh, far in the Canadian southwest uh, very happy yeah uh, today's today's secret word for the program from Herb Kane is Who's Becky Becky Stan Stan? Oh God, I love Brother Deacon. I love I love your Herb Kane your Herb Kane memes uh, with every program. The packets are passing. The program is on. The program is live, and every program here at the Horn begins with gratitude. And this program is no different. And so, as a consequence of that, we say thank you to our twenty. Not tonight. I'm, I'm hurrying. Can you tell I'm in a hurry for spring? Uh, for, for our subscribers for this 19th day of the month, that means uh, uh, thank you to Clayton and thank you to Sharon for being partial sponsors of the program. Thank you. Uh, thank you to Darlene in Connecticut. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you to Ralphs. Thank you all. And hey, Thanks so much for a have a show on me to Lori. Uh, Lori up in Michigan. Thank you so very much. Hey, Robin, I was so moved hearing your show last night. I want to do everything in my power to show my support to you. So this is a have a show on me. As a popular song verse eloquently says, you're beautiful just the way you are. Fight on. Thank you, Lori. I cannot thank you enough. So that means that uh, we are funded this week up to uh, $240 worth of Tuesday. We're fully funded all the way, uh, almost uh, all but $60 of Tuesday. And then we've got today and yesterday. So there's there's a $640, our our fundraising goal, $640, but that – Beats the daylights out of uh, a north of $900 fundraising goal, which we would have were it not for Lori. So thank you. Uh, in many ways, this program is brought to you by Lori up in Michigan. Thank you. Thank you so much. That, that's so helpful as we sweat trying to keep uh, all the plates spinning on all the sticks. Um, I want you to know, I, I, want to, I want to thank you so kindly for your indulgence in letting me kind of make the entire program yesterday about me. I don't do that a lot, but I, and I think it had a lot to do with the fact that I learned about that godforsaken bill uh, half an hour before airtime, and it just rattled me to my core. And last night, um, and, and I talked about it, about possible eventualities. We cried a little bit. I cried a lot, um, but it's okay. It's okay to cry. In moments like this, tears—you know—it's that Gandalf line. I will not tell you, do not cry, for not all tears are an evil. So, having having done that, we talked about possibilities, and I got to be clear-eyed. I have to uh, make every. I have to do everything in my power to make whatever I may have to do down the road possible. Um, when I 
uh, once once I've taken care of all the bills, at some point in time I've got to scrounge up mm, enough money to go and get my passport redone. I've got to take I've got to uh, finish off or finish changing my birth certificate down in uh, Alabama before they make that illegal. And I've got to finish a name change up here so that I can have my preferred name. And with passport and those documents in hand, you know, i got to do the birth certificate because if they do get around to making it a felony to be me, you know I'm not just going to, you know, I'm not going to be Puff the Magic Dragon and go back into my cave and cease my fearless roar. Um. (laughs) <laughs> they'll have to never mind um, but the birth certificate's important because that means if uh, they decide to prosecute me for being alive in West Virginia they'll at least have to at least in theory have to send me to a women's prison because these freaks I'm sure would rather do anything but but at least gives me a legal leg to stand on the passport well I've been I haven't I haven't made I haven't made a lot of headway on it, but um, there are there are countries on this planet that are more trans friendly than this one by a long shot. The Netherlands, um, España, Deutschland, La Belgique, not Italy, <laughs> not Greece, but. Uh, I, I just want to open up every possibility. And I'm polishing up the resume. Uh, because, well, wherever I go, if I go, if I go, because this is, if, if I have to, if I have to bug out, wherever I, wherever I go, I will land homeless. Something I've never been before and have no talent nor skill for. Um. But those are just contingencies. In the interim, however, I'm trying to find out if anyone is organizing around this and other bills, if there are any protests planned. Um, And if there are, I will be there. I will be there in all my suspiciously large woman glory. And I will not go quietly. You do not you do not sound retreat until you have been beaten on the field. So at least I have something that feels like a plan. And just in case you're curious, I've spent far too much time today um, spinning up my old pettifogging skills and reading that odious godforsaken bill. And what a Lulu it is. I've done what I could to let other trans communities that I'm aware of know about this thing. Not you know, not 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 for sympathy, but because, as I said before, 
It's all in, in these in these Confederate maggot states. It's all a matter of Republicans one-upping each other. Isn't it funny that in the blue states, it's never a matter of blue states competing with other blue states to try to be better for their citizens? But in order to maintain control and maintain fear and, and hatred and paranoia, the maggot Confederate red states have to constantly one-up each other in terms of how much fear, how much hate, how much terror they generate in the, in the hearts and what pass for minds of their voters and constituents. So I did. I told, I told friends in, uh, uh, over across the river in the Buckeye State about it, and they, they said, Robin, oh, my God. Because they read it and they saw immediately what was going on there, so now they're uh, they're they're prepared to see see it introduced in the uh, Ohio legislature. Uh, I told I told my friends down in Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Florida, Georgia. You know, look for it, watch for it. I told uh, I told my trans friends in South Carolina. I said, you know that they are not going to sit there and be content to be. Uh, be behind poor, lowly, hillbilly West Virginia in hating trans people. I even told some media contacts of mine about it. And we will, uh, and I mean we here, we will do what is necessary protect ourselves and reading that bill it was just so chock full of crap that even even 10 years ago you would have thought could never have withstood constitutional scrutiny but this isn't even 10 years ago I, and with every revelation that comes out from the J6 reporter, even the report that they didn't report on, like the, 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 the ancillary memorandum talking about how much damage was done by social media in the run-up to the terrorist attack of January 6, 2021, we find out how much more was going on behind the scenes and underneath the surface in the attempt to absolutely destroy the last vestiges of civil governance in this country and set up a goddamn dictatorship here and a fascist dictatorship at that. Oh, Matt, that's an old one. I know the answer to that one. Matt in San Francisco, subject line, Greece. How do they separate the men from the boys in Greece? With a crowbar. Yeah, oldie but a goodie. Uh, Matt, <laughs> I can't believe you tell that one. He... Um, there is so much to go into this evening, and what I was saying about what a what a constitutional nightmare uh, Senate Bill 252 is here in West Virginia leads me to the story that I wanted to begin the program with this evening. And God knows there's a number. I mean, this is Thorn in the Side Thursday, by the way. 
so whatever I led with was going to be a real, ouch, you know, one of those. Um, imagine, if you will, the law and order theme playing underneath and in the background because I'm just not going to clack around and, no, well, dum-dum, there, I did it, okay, dum-dum, and then the siren and all of that. Because this is the story of a crime. And not just any crime. This is a crime that took place just like the terrorist attack on the Constitution of the United States in Washington, D.C., It took place in Washington, D.C., in, in uh, none other than the heart of the Supreme Court of the United States. It has to do with the leak, leak. of the draft of the Dobbs opinion, Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health. And it is... Uh, It's something we've talked about already. But today, today we got the news, and it's been all over the place for a couple of hours now, that um, well, the, the, the investigation into who leaked the draft opinion has reached its end. And oh well, according to an announcement from our most puissant dread sovereign supreme Catholic majesties, there just will just never know who leaked the draft Dobbs decision, which by the way was almost word for word identical to the decision that they later on released. And if you read the for-profit multimillionaire media, you will see uh, you'll, you'll see a lot of raised shoulders out there with little palms, sort of heavenward. Somebody did it. We'll never know who. It's a mystery. The Washington Post putting it this way. The Supreme Court disclosed Thursday that it cannot identify the person who leaked a draft of Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, the opinion that overturned Roe versus Wade. Yes, they Isn't that some Isn't that some curious English? Isn't that some devilish language? Hear it again. The Supreme Court disclosed Thursday. Disclosed? How about announced? How about said? No, it disclosed. 
which sort of carries the aura of something whispered daintily behind the back of a hand. I'm sorry, kind sir, but we cannot identify the person who leaked the draft of Dobbs. Cannot is unable to. Will not is unwilling to. Chooses not to. Refusal. The second paragraph of the Washington Post report says a, a report from Supreme Court Marshal Gail Curley said, quote, It is not possible to determine the identity of any individual who may have disclosed the document or how the draft opinion ended up with Politico. No one confessed to publicly disclosing the document and none of the available forensic and other evidence provided a basis for identifying any individual as the source of the document. Jesus, jumping Christ, where's Bob Woodward in a, in a parking garage when you need him? Deep, just call me deep, deep throat. Or maybe it sounded more like, yeah, just call me deep, deep throat. That's a hell of a that's a hell of a quote, isn't it? A lot of words doing a lot of work there. It is not possible to determine the identity. I think it's probably possible to determine the identity. The Supreme Court clerk is determined is is declaring that um the laws of nature somehow prevent us from knowing who leaked the Dobbs opinion. Now bear in mind at the same time that I'm saying this, there are little uh, weirdo right-wingers hopping up and down and picking their teeth with their toenail clippings and handling snakes and pouring oil each on, on each all over each other over there in in uh, uh, North Trumpistan, screaming, "Kagan did it!" Or soda what's the soda jerk did it? Or it was one of them liberal clerks. Silly maggots. We can deduce who did it. With nothing more at hand than the words of the Supreme Court, court clerk herself. It is not possible to determine the identity of any individual who may have disclosed the document or how the draft opinion ended up with Politico. What does that mean? 
I mean, I, I, I find this story fascinating because for anybody who loves a good detective story, a good crime novel, a line like that, like I said, carries a lot of freight. You know what, my, I mean, it, it is possible. It is possible to determine who who leaked that draft opinion. A little logic, a bit of a shave with Occam's razor, add in a soup song of Sherlock Holmes, and you get an answer. Yeah, probably not even uh, probably not even as difficult as the average game of Clue. Mm-hmm. Mr. Green in the billiard room with the lead pipe. So are we are we are to believe, based upon the Supreme Court clerk's report, that. Having gone through every computer in the entire Supreme Court building, there was not one bite, not one bit not a single solitary shred of cybernetic data to indicate how this happened. First of all, this happened in 2022. We know that. And we know that in 2022, there are, and journalists use them frequently, um, end-to-end encrypted messaging apps. It's possible that, that that is how the draft opinion was leaked to Politico, Although personally, I think not. Politico could help out, but of course we want to be we want to be super duper double plus um, solicitous of their First Amendment rights. They are a journalism organization, and I am not being sarcastic. But they might answer a question. Did you receive this in hard copy form? Has anyone asked that question? But apparently, I guess there were just too many thousands of copies of Dobbs, of the draft of Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization sent to print to ever be able to maybe track down each individual copy. Or maybe it just wasn't worth the time. Subject line, Supremes. Matt in San Francisco says, how about a polygraph? How about a polygraph? They're not admissible in court. We all know that. 
somehow or another, it doesn't stop the federal government from using them pretty broadly. Were any polygraphs used? Um, No one confessed to publicly disclosing the document, and none of the available forensic and other evidence provided a basis for identifying any individual as the source of the document. Of course, that doesn't disclose the size of the sample set of forensic and other evidence. So our examination will have to take into account things like uh, timing, what the highfalutin investigators refer to as circumstantial evidence. Um, there are clues here and there in, in, in the Washington Post report. I love the fact that they want to rule out a hack. While investigators and the court's IT experts cannot absolutely rule out a hack, the evidence to date reveals no suggestion of improper outside access. Hint. It wasn't a hack. The calls, as the saying goes are coming from inside the house. The Supreme Court Marshal, Marshal Curley! Really? That's her name, Marshal Curley. Let's see. Curley in the Three Stooges. There was Curley in Of Mice and Men. Curley said more than 80 people had access to the draft opinion and 97 were interviewed, some more than once. But she concluded that, based on a preponderance of the evidence standard, it was impossible to identify the leaker. Oh, Steve in New York. Oh, Billable. Darlene. Various and sundry other members of the Horn family community congregation who had a cup of coffee in law school at least. Anybody want to talk about a preponderance of the evidence standard in the middle of a an investigation of how the most momentous decision in the modern history of the Supreme Court just happened to be leaked? Anybody, anybody want to take a dive at that? And then, several paragraphs into this piece of reporting, the report did not indicate clearly. And you know, if something is said not to indicate something clearly, I think we can make an argument that it is said not to have indicated it at all. But that's me. The report did not indicate clearly whether the justices themselves were questioned. The investigation focused on court personnel, temporary 
law clerks, and permanent employees who had or may have had access to the draft opinion during the period from the initial circulation to the publication. So in other words, from February to May 2022, space of roughly three months. But no one interviewed the actual justices themselves. Isn't that a little bit like having a murder case and not, you know, let's say it was a shooting and not interviewing any of the people who are standing there with smoking fucking guns in their hands? Especially if there was only one person standing there with a smoking gun in his hand. Well, you see, the rules of Supreme Court decorum indicate that no one can be compelled, no justice can be compelled to do anything they do not want to do. And that, that right there is what you call a fact. And I mentioned this long ago. Because we've been kind of following this case for a while. This is maybe why they should have gotten somebody should have gotten out the die-hard battery and maybe a set pair of jumper cables and just sort of set them there on the Supreme Court bench or considering the bent of some of the members of the court. Uh, a, how about a tub of water and a wooden plank and a bucket? Not that I'm advocating torture or anything, but it's worth remembering that there are members of the Supreme Court who are big fans of torture. I feel like I should just cut to the chase. Sammy Badbreath did it. Our pal Joy in Ann Arbor has a post up on Facebook that says, Hashtag, Alito did it. Actually, she has several hashtags. What, what, Joy, what all, uh, what all you got there? Hashtag Alito did it. Hashtag Alico. Hashtag it was Alito. Hashtag fascists leak. Hashtag misogynists leak. I got one more, Joy. Hashtag originalist leak. Uh, Rod and Raleigh says, I, I, I say we, they had the suspects. I say we use the techniques that George W. Bush said were okay. Waterboard every last one of these some bitches. Yeah, I'd kind of hate to waterboard Sonia Sotomayor or Elena Kagan or Katanji Brown Jackson. The rest of them, I'm cool with it. 
because there's no reason to suspect any of those three. If any of those three were going to leak the decision, they would have done it when the goddamn thing came out. So that there would have been three or four months of relentless public opposition. So that there would have been three or four months for a hue and cry to be raised in this country that could have been heard on the moon. But, well, somebody else had a motive. Somebody else who already has a history of probably having leaked. Yeah, okay, I'm thinking about, yeah, uh, sorry, Breyer. Breyer, Stephen New York, Breyer. But somebody else already had an uh, had a history of having leaked and, and 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 has vociferously denied it. That, of course, is Sammy Badbreath, the first or second most misogynistic member of the court. I submit that the next, because I have a feeling this is going to be a bit of a franchise, uh, the next Knives Out murder mystery needs to be Benoit Blanc uh, finding his way into the sanctum sanctorum of the Supreme Court of the United States. Lee in New York says, stolen SCOTUS documents. It was obviously taken by the same person who moved all the documents to Mar-a-Lago. Well, now, that adds a wrinkle. Thanks, Lee. Uh, Two things to consider, Steve in New York says, of course, cui bono, who benefits. And Sherlock Sherlock Holmes in The Hound of the Baskervilles, let's identify the dogs who didn't bark. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Holmes again. Also, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. There's our obligatory Star Trek reference. I know Lee has been waiting for this. <sighs> when, once you have eliminated the impossible, whatever is left, no matter how improbable, is the answer. Ooh, I may watch Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. I haven't seen that in a while. We, we may have to fire that one up this evening. Yeah. But those will suffice. Kui Bono, that one in particular, Steve... To whom the benefit? For whom the benefit? If we know, as I was beginning to allude to a couple of minutes ago, that there was considerable strife within the court over the Dobbs decision,
And if we know, and we do, that by February of 2022, five people had signed on to the decision, creating a majority to reduce people of childbearing capacity in this country to second or perhaps third class citizens. And if we know that they had to wait and knew they had to wait months before the decision would be announced, and if in fact there were heated discussions taking place inside the Supreme Court of the United States, and that it was possible that one or more of the members of that majority might shift their vote, if any one of them was looking a little bit squishy, say by, uh, you know, say maybe they'd been prevailed upon by, oh, I don't know, the Chief Justice, or the intellectual rigors of Justices Sotomayor and Kagan and Breyer. Someone would have had a motive for practically handcuffing four other justices to the decision so that there was no way that they could back out. And the only reason you leak this is if you think that somebody is about to back out. Alito was the author. Slappy Thomas was the one who assigned the opinion to Alito. So neither of them are going to be getting squishy now, are they? That leaves Gorsuch... And brat and the handmaid. Three. And I think it's beneficial to try to figure out which one was getting squishy. And I have a theory. Or at least I have a speculation. I think the squishy one was the handmaid. She was the newest. She presents that junior league appearance that wants to be liked. She had actually voted reasonably on at least one occasion in regard to um, an issue that Alito and Fappy were on the other side of in regard to the pandemic. I tend to eliminate Gorsuch and Brat, and this may be sexist on my part, simply because they're men. And men never seem to have much of a problem 
imposing their will upon women's bodies. Gorsuch was willing to tell a black man that he'd should freeze to death in a goddamn uh, tractor-trailer truck in the dead of a, uh, an upper Midwestern winter instead of going for help. That is a man of brutal sentiments. He would have no problem telling people of childbearing capacity in the, uh, in this country that they had no fucking rights. A man who's willing to look at another man from the bench and say, you shouldn't even be here, you should be dead. Is not going to have is not going to get squishy on a case about women's bodily privacy and autonomy. Brat, a guy who was willing to try to fuck a passed out high school girl with his buddies, Queef and Boo for whatever their names were. That guy is going to get squishy over telling women to go to go pound sand? No. No. But the handmaid was new on the bench. The handmaid has adopted children. Handmaid has born children of her own, I think. The handmaid, for as much of a self loathing woman as she is, is at the very least a woman. She's also a member of a cult. It is entirely possible that she might have gone home from work one day. Remember, she's a member of a cult that says that she has to have her husband's permission to decide what to make for goddamn dinner. She may have had she 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 may have taken the orders of her hubby and signed off on that draft. And when she took time to fully digest it and see just how much pure, unmitigated, unadulterated hate for women is embodied in the document, that she began to have second thoughts. Maybe Sonia and Elena came over and said, Honey, we know you're in a spot. But it's not too late. It's not permanent yet. Baby, you can still get out. You can still speak up for tens of millions of women in this country who are living in fear even as we speak.
And old balls and strikes may have walked over and said, Sugar, I'll be right there with you. A little a little honey. And Briar might have said, Me too. And boom, you've got five. It's well known that old balls and strikes wanted a more narrow decision, a more tailored decision. So, you know, this is kind of like a, well, it is, it's, it's, like a, it's like a mystery. It's like a, I don't know, a Raymond Chandler novel. This is not like Columbo, even though I've got a note from uh, Steve in New York saying, just one more thing. Because with Columbo, you know who did it at the beginning, and you have to watch Columbo solve the problem. Yeah, just one more thing there, man. Now, this is a classic. And so maybe the newbiest noob on the court is getting a little wobbly. I personally think that this leak was the product of a conspiracy. And the conspiracy was between Fappy and Sammy Badbreath. Ultimately, I think Sammy was the one who leaked it, and I think it was leaked quite personally. Perhaps without Politico knowing exactly who it was that was doing the leaking, but I would not be surprised if it was not pure old-school Washington, D.C. cloak-and-dagger shit. You know, the whole chalk mark on a garbage can, chalk mark on the garbage can wiped off kind of thing. Or maybe, maybe because classic Washington, D.C., maybe it was just a trench coat and a head and a, and a, and a fedora pulled down over the face and a masked voice and a, a manila envelope passed from one gloved hand to a reporter. Politico has not made that clear. At this point in time, I think it is the patriotic duty of Politico to come forward and tell what they know. Especially given the fact that this, this, was, this leak was accomplished solely for the purpose not of rousing the ire of people who were, uh, who were going to be opposed to this, but rather to give strength and power to people who would lean on the other four justices. Well, you get right down to it, the other two justices, who might conceivably break the majority. You have to take into account that... um, Fappy, of course, wrote a concurring opinion. Old Balls and Strikes wrote a concurring opinion. Gorsuch didn't uh, just signed on. Did Brat write a concurrence? Anybody want to check that? Horn ad hoc research department. 
The handmaid just said, I vote aye. Politico could clear a lot of this up, especially in light of the fact that what they did hardened that majority. There is, however, um, one one little quote in all of this that gave me pause. And that's a quote uh, from one justice who called the leak Actually, what it is is the publication. It's not a fucking leak. It's a publication. Who called the leak a grave betrayal of trust by somebody and a shock that changed the atmosphere of the court and presented a threat to the justices and gave people a rational reason to think they could prevent that from happening by killing one of us. Someone manifested more fear out of this than anybody else. You know, Roberts, for instance, said that it was a uh, betrayal of the confidences of the court intended to undermine the integrity of our operations. Um, Anne's boy, Neil, said it was... Terribly important to find out who leaked. Improper efforts to influence judicial decision-making from whatever side, from whomever, sounds like he's got suspicions, doesn't it? Are a threat to the judicial decision-making process and inhibit our capacity to communicate with one another. Fappy said, what happened to the co- at the court was tremendously bad. I wonder how long we're going to have these institutions at the rate we're undermining them. We're undermining them. We are undermining them. Oh, Dr. Freud. Isn't that one of those moments when you might want to use the passive voice? At the rate they are being undermined. We're undermining. Justice Kagan spoke up. The court depends upon confidentiality in its deliberations in order to reach decisions. And you can't do that if you know you might wake up tomorrow morning and there's a decision and it's on the front page of newspapers. So, the first one, talking about being afraid of being assassinated... What I call the tell, that's Sammy Badbreath. And Fappy saying, we're undermining them, that's the 
first person plural, as in more than one, as in him and Sammy Badbreath. Yeah. No remarks from the handmaid. No remarks from brat. Nothing from Sotomayor, nothing from Pryor. But Alito is the one who gets, Alito and Fappy are the ones who get the most dramatic about it. It was a shock. Oh, oh, Mr. Mr. Holmes, I was terribly, terribly shocked. And then a little bit later you find out that was the person who was the dog that didn't bark. I mean, it's possible someone else leaked it. But one thing I think we can say with absolute certainty is that it was not leaked when it was leaked in order to rouse the rabble. Well, it was leaked to rouse the rabble. It's which rabble it was roused to leak. It was roused to get the fetus fetishists fighting mad. So that if anyone did get all wobbly and fall off the majority, they would forever bear the mark of banished Cain. I get the idea that Marshall Curley was trying to be as vague and enigmatic as she could. She just left a couple of breadcrumbs. A few of the people interviewed said that they did, in fact, tell their spouses about the draft opinion. But the interviews provided very few leads concerning who may have publicly disclosed the document. Which is different from zero leads. There are leads and then there are leads. There are leads you can follow. And then there are leads which lead to dead ends because you cannot ask any more questions. Marshall Curley had her investigation uh, analyzed and passed on by none other than Michael Chertoff, Skeletor, the first Homeland Security Secretary under Dim Leader. Not exactly a big fan of transparency. They also asked a federal judge. That's a pretty broad category. You're going to ask a liberal or a conservative when you're worried about preserving the uh, 
sanctity of a right-wing majority. Chertoff characterized the review as thorough and said in a statement he cannot identify any additional useful investigative measures not already undertaken or underway. Even that says things it doesn't mean to say. Useful investigative measures. Because one presumes that while Michael Chertoff was perfectly happy to uh, uh, stick an Afghan individual who may have done nothing whatsoever to the United States in a freezing cell in Guantanamo Bay, naked and wet, and play the theme from Barney at 125 decibels at him for about 48 hours to break his brain, he didn't find that useful as an investigative tool for discovering who leaked this. So just add this case to the list of things that cause the American people to say, you know, I don't think it went down that way. Kennedy assassination. Iran-Contra. 2001, the 2000 election, the 2016 election. And Fappy is right to one degree. They, in each and every case, meaning Republicans, have done one hell of a job undermining government as an institution. Which is not at all curious for a political party, which will confess time after time after time that they absolutely despise the very idea of government itself. How about that? So I spent an hour on that, but I think it was an hour well spent. Make no mistake, the legitimacy of the Supreme Court of the United States is at an all-time low. I, that's not me saying that. That's a fact that, as documented by various and sundry public polls. And the simple fact of the matter is, as long as Sammy Badbreath sits on the court... As long as Fappy Thomas sits on the court, as long as Ann's boy Neil sits on the court, as long as Brat sits on the court, and as long as the handmaid sits on the court, the court will continue to suffer a crisis of legitimacy. Because all of those are nothing but political hacks.
and they cannot be trusted with the well-being of the United States of America. Uh, Stephen New York says, uh, one more thing. What about a FOIA request for everything involved in the investigation? I wonder what would happen if we see if old Jim Short's uh, jacket off Jordan, Mr. Judiciary Chairman, would investigate this. When he ignores that demand request, there's another dog not barking. Maybe somebody needs to find Sammy Bad Breath's laptop in a computer repair shop in Delaware. Or maybe next to a and maybe in a pawn shop next to some hardcore pre Vatican II Roman Catholic church uh, somewhere in DC. Oh, and uh, uh, program note. Glory, hallelujah, yay. I had word earlier today, Malloy will be back on the air at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time this evening. I enjoyed, I, I immensely enjoyed uh, subbing with him, with my pal Tara Devlin, but I'm, as a truth seeker myself, I'm... Absolutely thrilled that he's going to be back. So, uh, uh, Ralphs, yeah, no, we're uh, we're we're done for now. Hopefully, everything settles down for the time being. So that's. You know, that's, that's, I, I just saw that because, you know, I can't help being the law nerd girl that I am. Um, and it really does, I mean, there, there is, in a way, it's like a murder mystery. It really is. Because those five monsters took the rights of every person of childbearing capacity in this country out and murdered those rights in the dark and still of night. And of course, I could be wrong. Is there an argument to be made that there was a good reason for one of the so-called liberal members of the court to... leak the decision when it was too too late to do anything about it? Uh, Theo noticed the same thing I saw. Theo wrote earlier, um, Hi, Robin. Hi, Theo. And the prose in today's SCOTUS press release is so loaded that, quoth Harry Truman, if it could have walked, it would have staggered. It's a great quote. That's a quote, cowbell. Yeah, the, the the entire the entire statement is just. It's a it, there are there there are logical gaps you could. Uh, you could you could you could drive a John Deere combine hay baler through. 
or a thresher. They're pretty wide, you know. Uh, as to the manila envelope, Lee in New York says, if I wanted to deflect being considered the source, I would mail the envelope from another person's zip code. Yeah. That's a point. So, that's our little mystery for the evening. And with that being the case, and it being a Thursday, let's uh, take a break for the Green News Report. We'll come back. Oh, I've got some other dandies in the stack. I promise you that. But I do like to check in with Brad and Desi because there's Enviro news that I leave alone because I figure they're going to get to it. Oh, and by the way, it's a sad day. At 81 years old, David Crosby has uh, passed away after what was described as a long illness. One of the highlights of my Twitter life was having him like a tweet of mine once. Ew. Well. Fair winds and following seas, David Crosby. It's Thursday, January 19, 2023. We know that we have a small window to invest in clean energy and innovation and clean tech. European Union unveils Green Deal Industrial Plan to catch up to America's Inflation Reduction Act. German police crack down on anti-coal protest. Plus, they write it up, they send it to Ohio, and Mike DeWine and the lawmakers click their heels and say, yes, sir. Dark money groups led Ohio Republicans to redefine natural gas as green energy. (laughs) All of those redefinitions of reality and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. We kept asking questions. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Why aren't you vetoing it? And now we find out they're just puppets. There's a marionetteer in another state that is just making them do the dance. What's the point of an election? The point is to get the puppets elected in Ohio. And they're doing pretty good at it. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, this story out of Ohio is blowing my mind. It comes not long after a huge scandal from the nuclear and coal industry, and now it's the natural gas. Man, is there any Republican in Ohio who can't be bought off? (laughs) Well, we'll find out in a moment. But first, in Germany, Swedish teen climate activist Greta Thunberg was detained and released by police this week at a protest against expansion of a controversial coal mine that will destroy the historic 
village of Lutzerat. German officials say the coal is needed to address fossil energy shortages caused by Russia's brutal invasion of Ukraine. The demolition of Lutzerat is part of a compromise deal reached between the government and energy giant RWE last year, allowing the company to destroy the village in return for agreeing to end its coal use by 2030 rather than 2038. They're destroying the village in order to save it? That's the theory. A new report reveals banks are still financing dirty fossil fuel projects despite their public pledges to stop. Banking giant HSBC made a secretive $340 million loan to RWE, the fossil energy company that is bulldozing that village, just three months after HSBC pledged to phase out coal funding. HSBC is the worst. The new report by a coalition of major environmental groups called Banking on Climate Chaos shows the world's biggest banks are still heavily investing in fossil fuels despite very public pledges to target net zero emissions. The top dirty dozen financial institutions include J.P. Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo, and HSBC. The report also found that since the adoption of the Paris Agreement six years ago, the world's largest banks have collectively given fossil fuel companies $4.6 trillion in funding. And given the rest of us the finger. Meanwhile, in Ohio, some rich guys in another state got together and said, we want to change natural gas to get it a different definition because it suits our wealthy purposes. <laughs> That's Cleveland Plain Dealer editor Chris Quinn talking about how Ohio's Republican-controlled state legislature has falsely redefined polluting natural gas as green energy, <laughs> despite the fact that it is a significant contributor to man-made global warming. Unbelievable. Documents uncovered by Utility Watchdog Energy and Policy Institute show that the Orwellian language signed into law by Ohio Ohio's Republican Governor Mike DeWine is the culmination of a dark money campaign by the American Legislative Exchange Council and other dark money groups to protect the fossil fuel industry. Now that part totally believable. The new law also expands oil drilling in the state's parks. Be aware the dark money groups are taking their disinformation campaign to other states. I'm serious. They just you know, ran the Speaker of the House out of Ohio because he took tens of millions of dollars from the nuclear and coal industry. Now they're shoveling in money from the natural gas industry. Is there anything you cannot buy off an Ohio Republican to do at this point. Finally, the European Union this week unveiled a major clean tech industrial plan to accelerate deployment of renewable energy manufacturing as a counterweight to President Biden and the Democrats' landmark Inflation Reduction Act, which contains billions in subsidies for U.S.-based manufacturing. At the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland this week, European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen said it was important to avoid switching dependence on Russian fossil fuels with dependence on China for raw materials. We see aggressive attempts to attract our industrial capacities away to China and elsewhere. We have a compelling need to make this net zero transition without creating new dependency. We've learned our lessons from the fossil fuels. Have we? Have we learned our lessons? I'm not yet sure, especially in Ohio. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report. We're in, we're-
couple of things about that report. Uh, one, Brad got a big laugh out of it when they said that uh, Ohio had rebranded frack gas as green. Oh, Brad, 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 Brad. See, there's a bunch of Brads there, Ron and Raleigh. I don't want to get any lip from you, bub. I, I didn't use just three Brads. There was five. Um, Brad apparently doesn't remember the time that I told him about the billboard in Beckley, West Virginia, that said, Coal. Clean, carbon-neutral coal. That's just uh, that that that's just the Buckeye State copying uh, the Buckeye State's maggots copying off the Mountain State's maggots. And uh, the story about Greta Thunberg, I saw that a couple of nights ago, and uh, the business about how they had to destroy that historic village in Germany. Because of the war in Ukraine and the energy crunch, <laughs> um, I, I wonder if Germans fell for it. Because, see, it was now well in May. It'll be 11 years ago, and much to my much to my chagrin, that I've never made it back. Uh, that I was in Germany, and one of the things that happened while there is when when we. Uh, when we left to head to Frankfurt uh, for the uh, uh, Deutsche Bank uh, annual uh, annual oh dear God annual meeting, we stopped and had a conversation with some folks in a little town uh, a little German town not far from Kolm where you could see a vast open pit coal mine. And we drove through a little town. It was every bit of a thousand years old. That was due to be destroyed. By the same company, RWE. And the mine was digging for what was basically not even coal so much as it was carboniferous mud, practically lignite. And at the time they said, yeah, they tell us they are going to give us a great big beautiful lake. I'm like, I wouldn't swim in it. Neither shall we. And so this is a different thousand-year-old village. But the, 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 the war in Ukraine and the energy crunch was the excuse given. Um, back then, that was at the height of uh, the German solar effort. And uh, they didn't have much of an excuse except, well, we, we really want to. And, from, and, and, and the railroad tracks already ran, and they ran from the, the, the massive open pit and ran, you could see on, you could see the coal-fired power plant on the ridge line 
miles away. And I got to meet some young activists from all over Europe. They had built tree houses. Uh, it was sort of a, it was sort of like a green activist Lothlorien. They dug a deep root cellar where it was forever cold, and they could keep their uh, their perishables. And they showed me pumps that had been installed by the company in the ground, and they said, when they decide to do so, they will turn they 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 will. They will activate these Trump pumps, and everything alive in this ground will die because it would de deplete the water supply to the surrounding forest. Sounds like somebody just wants to burn some coal for money. Funny how that works with the coal industry. Uh, let's see. Brad, 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 Brad. Steve in New York says, I will license you. My dear, dear Brad, if you wish. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Thank you. It, licensing is important. David the Blind says, uh, you know, for an allegedly nonpartisan institution, the court is a falsehood, and who better than uh, his Dred Scott Catholic Majesty, Thomas, to be wearing that falsehood? Well played, Dave. Well played. And I want to bring something else to your attention. I mentioned the passing of David Crosby. But uh, uh, someone else has passed away. Many of, you, many of the community may not know him, but a number of you will. And I suspect you will be saddened to know of his passing. Um, we're still in the process of trying to figure out a way to get Dr. Bill back on the air. Um, he's moved out into the far countryside where I think his only Internet access is uh, like HughesNet satellite. And that's like dial-up with a meter. Maybe we'll bring him on by phone, Dr. Bill. And, and for those of you who are not familiar with Dr. Bill, um, his archive is still up at, head, at uh, whiterosesociety.org, and I heartily encourage you uh, to try him out sometime because while he's dealing with current events, Dr. Bill is also uh, a walking, talking encyclopedia of American history, and as our buddy Jack in Shreveport once pointed out, you just kind of have to listen patiently to Dr. Bill. But by God, you, you sit there and you think, hmm, that's interesting, hmm, that's interesting. And about three minutes before the program ends, he pulls out this axe handle and whack right in the back of the head. And you go, son of a bitch, where did that come from? Dr. Bill is great like that. Well, one of the people that he most loved to interview and, and engage in conversation with, and I had the privilege of engaging in conversation with him from time to time, too, uh, was Dr. Kevin Shanley. Uh, they principally discussed issues relating to China. But their conversations were always an absolute joy. And so, as the obituary notes, Kevin M. Shanley, 84, died Thursday, January 12th, at his residence 
in um, New York. Born in Troy, Troy, New York, which uh, for fans of Kurt Vonnegut, you will recognize as uh, Ilium, New York. Another word for Troy. Um, Dr. Shanley was a graduate of Catholic Central High School in Siena College. He earned his Ph.D. in history from the State University of New York at Albany. He was a retired professor of history at the University of New York at Albany. And he carried forward his lifelong interest in history during his retirement by being a member of Asia Society in New York City, where he focused on issues involving Chinese affairs. Throughout his life, Kevin traveled widely across Europe and Asia for enjoyment and in pursuit of his personal interests in historical and cultural issues. Kevin was always interested in all things musical, including jazz, band, and orchestral music. He was a longtime supporter and friend of the Empire State Youth Orchestra, where he participated in educational and concert programs for many years. He particularly enjoyed attending concerts and other musical events with his close personal friend Howard Rosenthal, retired United States Army veteran. Um, they asked that rather than flowers, a gift be given to the um, Empire State Youth Orchestra of Schenectady. And uh, while it's not in there, um, it was an absolute privilege to get to know him at least on the phone and share in his vast compendium of knowledge and his passion for education. which he maintained to the very end. It's my understanding that he had just completed a new book that had not yet been edited when he passed away. So, uh, I figured folks who were familiar with Dr. Bill's conversations with Dr. Shanley would find that... Uh, Oh, would appreciate the information. Good guy. Good guy. Smart guy. Really smart guy. And, you know, I'd never seen a picture of him until Annette sent me the uh, obituary. Other things. By the way, um, um, we uh, thanks, thanks to Lori, we are not looking at almost $1,000 for a fundraising goal. We're looking at uh, 640 bucks. Thank you so much. But we are at a goose egg so far at halfway through the program. Now, other things. Other things. Saw this one earlier and I said, well, that's got, uh, that's got thorn in the side Thursday written all over it. The ongoing war against the actual history of the United States continues. This, of course, in, well, in West Virginia, but more particularly for this story in Florida. At the dictate of Florida dictator, emphasis on the word dick, 
Um, what's that? You dick! Florida Governor Ron Monkey up DeClantis via the uh, Florida Department of Education Office of Get This Articulation. Really? They're articulate down there in Florida. Yeah, the Florida Department of Education's Office of Articulation has blocked a pilot program by the College Board. Oh, boy. Get Get the hockey puck and the duct tape. The pilot program of the College Board for Advanced Placement in African American Studies will be henceforward blocked in Florida because of the Stop Woke Act. Breathe, Ron. Breathe. Lose no good mother... Right there with you. (laughs) Yeah... Uh, that's right, Stephen, New York. Ron DeSantis, you mean Richard Potato? <laughs> I do mean Richard Potato. Yes, of course. Now, you'd think that since this is a pilot program, Florida might have said, well, you know, I mean, we're not so sure about it. It's just a pilot program. It's a... <sighs> no, it's already been tested at 60 schools across the United States. And there is a great deal of value, as here we are, uh, let's see, 10, 11, 12, you know, 12 days away from Black History Month. You've got to give it to the folks in the Monkey Up administration for the sense of ironic timing. Uh, it's been tested, and the purpose of it is to expand the knowledge of students about the African-American experience and the African-American diaspora uh, in the United States over the last 403 years. But, well, monkey up doesn't want the actual history, the brutal, bloody, horrifying history of the African-American diaspora taught in Florida. Lest it give some, the, the parents, who are probably the grandchildren or children themselves of Klansmen, a sad As a result of the Stop Woke Act in Florida, there is no instruction regarding race relations or diversity that creates any idea that, quote, according to the Stop Woke Act, status as either privileged or oppressed is necessarily determined by his or her race, color, national origin, or sex. Gender? Anybody? 
Bueller? That's a real Lulu. Because they're oppressing the fuck out of people based upon sex and gender in Florida. Never mind. That's another way of saying we don't want to give the Klansmen a sad. Now, the Stop Woke Act got temporarily enjoined by U.S. District Judge E. Mark, Walk, Mark E. Walker as it pertains to higher education. It did not pertain to, say, high school advanced placement courses. But between the Don't Say Gay Law and the Stop Woke Act, teachers are at hazard if they so much as mention either topic in a classroom, which is just fine with monkey up. God, wouldn't it be awesome if he, you know, held, held a rally and there were a few thousand people chanting, monkey up, monkey up, monkey up, declantis, declantis, declantis. There's something about that little neo-maxi-zoomed weeby that makes me think that somewhere along the way he's going uh, to fall apart like a house of cards or, you know, a mansion on a Daytona beachfront in a storm. But, uh, see, it, this is not, there, there's a, what Mark Twain would call a snapper to this story. The Florida Department of Education's Office of Articulation articulated a reason for blocking the Advanced Placement African American Studies curriculum. This is where the hockey puck comes into play. The Office of Articulation said that the African American Studies uh, Advanced Placement course, quote, is inexplicably contrary to Florida law and, I mean, they could have said that and it would have been true. It would have been a true statement, but it wasn't enough to, that wouldn't have been sufficient to make the dictator of Florida happy. So instead, the Florida Office of Articulation said that the Advanced Placement African American Studies pilot program is inexplicably contrary to Florida law and significantly lacks educational value. Well, that's a shot across the bar, uh, the bow. Uh, wouldn't 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 I just love for uh, Carter Woodson to get up out of his long out out of out of his long resting place and just in zombie fashion go down and slap the living shit out of Ron Monkey up Declantis? Lacks educational value. It's a hell of a note. African American history, according to the state of Florida, you know. Where Rosewood was, not is, was, where every individual of color 
was driven out from their homes and the place was erased from the map in a white riot in the early 20th century, 1922, was it? Yeah. There is not a blessed thing of educational value in the entirety of black history according to the Florida Department of Education. Not one thing. Not one. Not even one thing. Well, hey, Kyle. Kyle said, first time writing in, and I don't know how long. I don't know how long it's been, Kyle. Good to hear from you, my friend. Lacks educational value? Where's Rand Paul's neighbor when you need him? You know, this is such a white girl thing for me to say. Really? The collected works of W.E.B. Du Bois lack educational value. The writings and speeches of Booker T. Robin, uh, Booker T. Washington, where did Robinson? God damn it, Robin! Of Booker T. Washington lack educational value. All them Floridaians sat down there munching on peanut butter and banana sandwiches and the work Oh God. The work of George, Dr. George Washington Carver has no educational value. The struggles of Harriet Tubman have no educational value. The life and times of Sojourner Truth have no educational value. The lovely poetry of Phyllis Wheatley has no educational value. The tireless, fearless life of Ida Mae Wells has no educational value. Jesus, I'm surprised the letter from uh, the Office of Articulation didn't just contain, didn't just say, we don't want no N-word talk in our schools. Well, Kyle says uh, they contain truths, Robin. That's a very tough subject in Florida. See also facts. Lacks educational value. Stephen New York says replace African American with German Americans or Italian Americans or Jewish Americans, Irish Americans. See what happens. The advanced placement. Wait a minute. No, I'm going to go somewhere else. The advanced placement Scots Irish Appalachian Studies curriculum lacks educational value. 
the Advanced Placement Hispanic Studies Program lacks educational value. But then again, monkey ups down there kidnapping asylum seekers. So, you know. Merca. That's a hell of a thing. Hey, thank you, Ralphs, for getting us started. Ralphs is such a dear. When we're goose, it, it, when we're goose egging, Ralphs is always there. So we're now down to six hundred and fifteen dollars to go with fundraising. Thank you, Ralphs. Ron and Raleigh, fresh from the latest conniption, says. I'm thinking about I'm going to pack my valise and go down to Florida and Will Smith DeSantis' pasty pudgy ass. Wait a minute. (laughs) To Will Smith a person. God bless America. That's, That's a phrase now, huh? Thank you, Ron. Thank you. Pack my valise, too. Ron is, of course, a man of letters who periodically reminds us of the high utility of words like pillock and poltroon. Mountie Bank. Yes, yes, in fact, in answer to your P.S., Ron and Raleigh, did you watch the reboot of Night Court? Uh, Annette and I did last night. It was a way of taking our minds off what we'd been talking about previously. It was cute. It felt a little forced in its early phases, but once it hit the, once it got once it got going, uh, it seemed to find its voice. And I and, and John Larroquette hasn't lost a step. And the cast that they put in around him was delightful. And Melissa Rausch, is it Rausch or Rauch? Is just her comic timing is rock solid. And Lord she she's she's a cute little tiny little thing. I hope it. I hope it works. Uh, Ron, you may have the answer to this one. There were two. There were two new episodes of, or at least new to me, episodes of the reboot of uh, Quantum Leap. I thought it was coming back in early January. It's supposed to be new episodes on Tuesday. No new episode. Please tell me. That. And I saw an article about, the, and I think maybe Ron sent it to me, about the numbers falling off for the new Quantum Leap. And it's like, oh, Jesus, please don't don't cancel this in Medios Race. You got a good thing going on. Flesh out the story. Let them flesh out the story. Um, and because I do follow a little... You know, not so much Hollywood gossip or anything, but some entertainment news. I saw somebody doing a think piece on the fact that um, 
streaming platforms have become authors of their own or victims of their own success insofar as people have become so frustrated watching uh, shows get shit-canned in the middle of things. 1899 looked pretty good to me, but didn't make it past the end of season one. So consequently, people don't watch programs when they start because they don't know if they're actually going to end or just get axed. Meanwhile, it's like some sort of demented advent calendar around here as Annette and I look at each other. No, no, still no word on the return of uh, Ted Lasso. This is getting, really, this is getting as bad or worse as waiting for the second Boston album or for those of a slightly younger generation, not much, waiting for Guns N' Roses' Chinese democracy. Is there like a millennial or Gen Z version of that? The follow-up, the follow-up album? I don't know, because... I was watching a video today. It was one of those videos where people, where younger people react to old things, and in this case, it happened to be a, a Jerry Springer episode. And uh, the title was something like "We Met at the Mall." And the girl who was doing it's 24 years old, and she said, "Now, for you Generation Alpha people, the 24-year-olds are talking down to." For you generation, uh, for you generation alpha people, the fo- the words food court and mall, well, they used to mean something. Grandma, what's a what's a food court? Grandma, what's a mall? Um, Ralph said, hopefully someone else will contribute, and someone else did. Thank you, Christopher. And uh, Christopher said, you're always welcome here in Colorado. Thank you. And so now we're down to only $600 to go to come up even. That means to be fully funded for this Thursday and yesterday. Thank you. Thank you, Christopher. So, well, no significantly lacks educational value. Takes some bra- uh, it takes some brass to write something like that. And by the way, a couple of days ago, a United States District Judge said something rather, well, I'd like to think it was encouraging. Um, oh, Ron and Raleigh said, please tell me, what the hell are they going to teach in this advanced placement course? Well, they're not going to teach dick. That's what they're not. That, that, because it ain't going to be taught in Florida. Because we don't li- we don't want the little white children getting all sad thinking about slavery or the Klan or wondering what all those esoteric symbols th- that there are all over those robes in Daddy's closet. I mean, of course, Ron Monkey up to Klantis is going to have something like that band. 
He has political. He, he has he has political noogies to pay back. The guy only became governor the first time with the help of real live, un, un, real live, no kidding, fucking Nazis. Doesn't want to piss them off. He needs them. But anyway, uh, this past Tuesday, a woman stepped before the bench in the United States District Court in Washington, D.C. Her name is Denine McAndrew, borderer. She uh, participated in the terrorist attack on the Capitol of January 6, 2021. She videoed herself. Please, just an editorial note here to the folks at uh, Salon, um, in particular the, the Sama Kular. It's 2023. Nobody's walking around with a Super 8, a, 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 a Super 8 movie camera. Do not use the word, the verb filmed. Videoed is awkward. Taped is even out the window. I say this because Deneen McAndrew traveled from California to Washington, D.C. to join Trump's rally and later filmed herself storming the Capitol. No, she fucking didn't. Uh, After a three, she videoed herself. After a three-day bench trial, she was found guilty of charges including violent entry and disorderly conduct in a Capitol building because she was too stupid to take a, 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 a walk-away slap-on-the-wrist deal from the Department of Justice. The presiding judge was Colleen Collar Cottley. In convicting her, in convicting McAndrew, Judge Collar Cottley uh, penned an 18-page opinion, noting, for instance, that Deneen McAndrew of California, who went all the way to Washington, D.C. for the terrorist attack, um, was tweeting at Nitwit Nero, according to the opinion, quote, that she, too, felt that traps had been set in the hashtag rigged election of 2020. Judge Collar Cottley goes on to say, Defendant marched to the Capitol where, she testified, there's your first mistake, sweetie, she understood that only Congress had the power to fix the election's outcome and that the Congress was likely in session while she was around and in the Capitol. The opinion continued, Every step of the way from the western boundary of Capitol grounds to the west lawn to the Upper West Terrace, to the interior of the Capitol itself, she saw sign after sign that her presence was unlawful. Nevertheless, heeding the call, this is important, nevertheless, heeding the call of former President Trump, she continued onwards to stop the steal. Judge um, Collar Cottley wasn't done. She said, having followed 
then-President Trump's instructions, which were in line with her stated desires. The court therefore finds that defendant intended her presence to be disruptive to congressional business. This is one federal judge who knows exactly who is responsible for January 6th. Maybe she'd like a word with special counsel Jack Smith. Uh, Axios reached out to uh, Nitwit Nero's spokes creep Liz Harrington. Salon says she refuted the conclusions. Oh, that's some terrible English. You can say she denied them. But unless Salon has become a pro-Trump organ to say that she refuted them, is simply demonstrably untrue by her own words. Harrington claimed that Trump, quote, urged the crowd to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard on January 6th, a fact just like the unselect committee this biased judge deliberately omitted. The viola and the, oh, but that wasn't enough. The violations of due process and unfair treatment of political prisoners by the U.S. government during this saga will forever be a stain on our country. Political prisoners. You know, like Nelson Mandela, whose history we will also not be teaching in the state of Florida. Or even American. By the way, there have been no violations of due process. There's been no unfair treatment. And there have been no political prisoners. But good for you, Judge Collar uh, Cottley, for speaking the, uh, you know, for making note of obvious facts. Um, Kyle says, uh, okay, well, thank you for that. Um, an answer to my question. I don't know if it qualifies as a follow-up album so much, but waiting eight years for My Chemical Romance to put out their next new music after they got back together uh, following an eight-year back breakup. Should I should I check out my my chemical romance? Would that would 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 it sort of maybe bring me a little bit into the 21st century, Kyle? You know, asking for a, uh, a boomer Gen X cusper. Maybe 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 I need that. Maybe I need to know. Um, maybe I need to. Well, maybe I need to ask my kids or something. They might help, too. Kyle adds, I'm glad I'm not the only one who gets irrationally annoyed at the use of filmed, taped, etc. You didn't have to say it was irrational, Kyle. Also, how many judges does it take saying Trump was the mastermind of the damn coup attempt, which was damned obvious at the time, before the DOJ indicts 
the orange asshole for fuck's sake. Um, as to my chemical romance, if you like emo and dark stuff, yes. If not, no. Does the fact that I've been known to listen to The Cure from time to time help with that, Kyle? Things we get into here. Oh, we're almost done with two hours of the program this evening. We might as well go. It was. <laughs> I, I spent two and a half hours yesterday talking about my personal response to a piece of hateful legislation here in West Virginia. And, of course, it proceeds, that piece of legis- legislation, that bill, um, proceeds from the false premise that we've got to protect West Virginia's children from the drag queen groomers. I don't know where this voice is coming from, but I've been using it a lot lately for, you know, maggots. But, it, but yeah, it, it, if you read SB 252, it starts out with drag queens and finds its way quickly to, you know, me, who's not a drag queen, who has friends who are. <laughs> We're all going to the camps. No laughing matter. But this had to happen sooner or later. You know where I'm going. In this edition of Today in George Santos, the news broke yesterday. I can't, I can't, I can't stop laughing, uh, or at least chuckling. Well, Kyle, I'm sorry, honey. Uh, you may like No Chem- My Chemical Romance. Then they're my favorite band of all time, so I don't know. Oh no, the drag show shit again. Time to start drinking the hard stuff. Which for me is Gatorade. Zero sugar Gatorade, but that's my hard stuff lately. Um, Yeah, here we go with the drag queens again. Actually, no, it's not here we go with the drag queens again. Here we go with a drag queen again. Named George Santos. Because it turns out that George Santos, who was sitting right there next to Marginal Trailer Queen, otherwise known as Barbie Q. Thanks, Asa. uh, During the the, the desperate struggle of weaker speaker to become the weaker speaker, um, yeah, turns out George is a drag queen. Or was, down in Brazil. Well, cutie pie, too. Uh, Katara Revanche, or something like that. Photos emerged yesterday from somebody who, in, in Brazil, who noticed the current Sturm und Drang up here. And said, wait... That's my drag queen sis, Katara. And provided some photographic evidence. 
pretty brunette and a red. Uh, she was like, uh, wasn't there a red satin dress? And then there was her all in black with uh, like some netting or something over his face. By the way, etiquette-wise, when referring to a drag queen in drag, refer to her as her. The rest of the time, just refer to him as him. I know, it can get a little confusing. But, yeah. I wonder if Marginal Trailer Queen and Lauren... Well, Lauren wasn't there. She was over being part of the disloyal opposition. But I wonder if they had any inkling they were sitting next to one of the people that they've been barking and grunting and braying and hooting about. Drag queens! But lest you think this is going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back and makes Kevin McCarthy suddenly realize that George Santos has to go or make Jewish space laser lady finally condemn him, the answer is no. Let me explain how this works. If confronted about the fact that she's consorting with a known drag queen, Barbecue will will then say, well, he isn't no more. He's been saved by the saving grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and has a personal relationship with him now. I was talking to him just the other day, and he's telling me about how much he loves Jesus. Even though, you know, says he's a Jew, and they killed Christ. Uh, but, but Jesus has done forgive him anyway. He told me just the other day. And then there's the fact that George said that uh, his mother was working in the South Tower on September 11th, 2001, and fled for her life as the towers came down and died of cancer as a result. Well, she died of cancer as a result. She died of cancer 16 years later. But the problem is, on September 11th, 2001, George Santos's mama was in Brazil. And that's a long way to be breathing those, those ground zero fumes. And nothing, nothing, not a damn thing, short of action by this 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 maggot majority can make him leave but if you were say the weaker speaker man of silly putty kevers mccarthy you might be at a point where you're kind of saying really really does this, why, why is this happening to me? Let's talk a minute about um, representing Greg Stubbe of Florida. In the photo I'm looking at of him, he's got a kind of a Saddam Hussein beard kind of vibe going for him. Oh, yeah, uh, as Ralphs points out, yeah, and George Santos's mama moved to the U.S. in 2003, for sake. 
Um, and by the way, Kyle adds, since his name is really Ant- Anthony DeVolder, or might be, or maybe was, when he walked among Jesus' disciples, aren't there legal questions about his election? You would think. But somebody has to take legal action first. And see, the, okay, let me go back to George, George Santos for just a minute before we go on to Greg Stubbe, who has kind of a Saddam Hussein vibe about him. What the Republicans in D.C. are doing is the political equivalent of Muhammad Ali's famous rope-a-dope. And it feels kind of dirty even mentioning Muhammad Ali in the same breath with, like, George Santos. But then again, uh, I have heard that George Santos was the cut man in the corner there uh, during the thriller in Manila. Shut up, Robin. What they're hoping to do is play the play the string out. They're hoping that the judicial system will come along and save them. Or at least run out the clock. Because if tomorrow a grand jury somewhere returned an indictment against uh, George Santos, Anthony DeVolder, Katara, Repugnant, whatever. It would probably be at least a year before a trial. And given the fact that one of the promises that that the weaker speaker made was to quietly go about the business of gutting the Office of Congressional Ethics, the chances of George being touched are slim to none. And he can be relied upon like a horse in the circus that can count to four, to use one paw for yes and the other paw for no in doing the bidding of the weaker speaker somewhere in the uh, course of business such as it is. I hope the Democrats have enough common sense to hammer the Republicans every day over this Um, (laughs) what Ron Brazilian trans women maybe now that Bolsonaro is in Florida with DeSantis you could head south of the border if I'm going to learn Portuguese I'm going to Portugal oh no Uh, wow Ron just sent me a, 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 a photo page of 
breathtakingly beautiful Brazilian trans women. I'm not going to go. Um, no, I'm not going to go be the ugly old trans lady in Brazil. Do I? How dumb do I? Never mind. Don't answer that. But Bolsonaro is in Florida, and I'm wondering when the hell we're going to throw him the out. That was a shitty thing to say. If Flavio, if you're listening, I apologize. I'd love to visit Brazil. I could maybe starve myself and exercise like crazy and get my A1C down to 5.4 and go down there and drive it back up to 10, just eating. Sorry. But that's that's what the Republicans do. They're hoping maybe nobody will notice and the courts will bail them out while they stand in the corner with their, their gloves up over their face getting pummeled. Uh, memo to the Democrats. Please pummel! Now, back to Greg Stoiba? Stuba? Oh, wait, yeah, uh, Stephen, New York, you're absolutely right. You've forgotten the most obvious reason Anthony George Santos, Devolver, Zabrowski, Katara, Rabash, how's a mouthful, won't suffer any consequences. I-O-K-I-Y-A-R. Yes. It's a hell of a catch, that catch-22, Steve. But no, if, if one were the weaker speaker... No, I, let's don't even imagine that. Let's think more in terms of it would be fun to be um, a butterfly flitting around the weaker speaker's office as Kevers says, fuck, you know, like every 15 seconds. Because he had a thin enough majority as it was, and it just got a little thinner, at least for the foreseeable future. Because... Representing Greg Stubbe of Florida decided his house needed a little improving because, of course, he's a rugged, manly man. He only makes 160000 or so dollars a year, and he had some tree limbs that needed to be cleared away from the gutters or something at his uh, estate down in Florida. So Greg Stubbe, super genius, I like the sound of that, you can almost see him down there in the Florida, uh, the, the Florida sunshine of January, yeah, maybe, his, may, may, maybe his wife's been complaining to him, or maybe he's just a go-getter, get-her-done kind of guy, maybe it's a Saturday. Maybe he's, you know, pounded a few beers from a reliably Republican brewery. Sitting around saying, you know what? Been meaning to clean out the gutters and, well, uh, them tree limbs, them tree limbs is bothering me right bit. That's how we'd say it here in West Virginia. So he goes around to the side of the house or into the garage or wherever the hell it is. And he gets his ladder. 
True enough, Kyle. If you can't pronounce his name, just call him Greg Stupid. It fits anyway. We'll get to that part. He gets out his 25-foot ladder and says, Hmm. Going to need the chainsaw, too. At this point in time, we realize where we're headed with this, don't we? I have a very, no matter how it is fueled, electricity, batteries, which is also electricity, or, you know, two-cycle oil, I have a profound and healthy respect for chainsaws. Got to make sure that the chain's nice and tight on the bar. You got to make sure you got bar oil in there to keep that chain nice and lubricated. So Greg Stubbe plops his 25-foot aluminum ladder up against the eaves of the house and proceeds to toddle on up the ladder with his chainsaw in hand. I don't know if he started it. I don't know if he started it on the ground or if he started it once he got up there. Because you know he's not going to use no electric battery-operated chainsaw. Because he's a good God-fearing, upstanding, Bible-believing, Christ-centered, evangelical, fundamentalist, amosexual, hydrocarbon American Republican. And up the ladder he goes to trim the palm fronds or something, or maybe the tulip maple or tulip poplar, who knows. Maybe it was one of those loblolly pines. You know, those soft, trashy pines that they grow for telephone poles. But he gets up onto the lat up onto the ladder up there, about twenty-five feet in the air, and uh, he sets to coming. He sets to he sets to cutting away branches. And I don't know exactly what happened. Maybe it was the beer. Um, or the rum. Maybe the tequila. Maybe the weed. And I say I have a healthy respect for chainsaws because suckers can kick back at your ass. And again, this is a guy with a lot of money. Why don't you call the tree trimming service? Where is Steve in Georgia, Stan, when I need him? Actually, I didn't need him. Uh, Greg Stupid needed him. Greg, call the guy. Steve in New York saying, uh, uh, Greg Stupid, I award him the Clark W. Griswold Award for people doing really dumb things. Because I don't know if that thing kicked back or if he lost his balance or what. 
But the next thing you know, Greg Stubbe and his chainsaw are experiencing the profound effects of gravity as he falls two and a half stories. That's 25 feet, y'all. To the ground. Uh, Kyle observes, you know, if these assholes weren't in charge of one House of Congress and the Supreme Court and trying to drive this country directly into the ground, this would all be funny and make for great for a great TV show or something. By the way, Kyle, how's your family? When last we spoke, from time to time, I would get these emails about things Kyle's dad said. I hope it's okay to ask that. I hope I hope this I hope the broadcast finds them all well. But now we have to time travel a little bit. We have to go back to a tweet um, from seven forty four this morning in which the weaker speaker whose Twitter photograph is his head surrounded by stars, really, you know, the stars in the American flag. Not kidding. No more proxy voting. Effective immediately, members of Congress have to show up to work if they want their vote to count. Oops. Because Greg Stupid is now in the hospital... Making progress, but uh, and and they he he started out in the intensive care unit, but he's making progress, and the 44-year-old maggot is uh, dealing with what has been referred to as several serious injuries. Um, it says he was knocked off the ladder, this story does, and this story is from CNBC. Knocked off the ladder. Was there a cold snap in Florida? Did, an, did a frozen iguana fall on him? While he was cutting tree limbs on his property late Wednesday afternoon. So at 7.44 this morning... The weaker speaker had no idea that he was another member down in his majority. And so he voted, no more of this goddamn proxy voting. Bet you wish you hadn't said that now, Kevers. Tweeting from his account, uh, some press creep said for this dude, Thank you to all who continue to pray for Congressman Stubbe. Go right ahead. The congressman was knocked approximately 25 feet down off a ladder while cutting tree limbs on his Sarasota property yesterday afternoon. The congressman spent the night in the ICU where several serious injuries are still under assessment, but not life-threatening at this time. He's making progress and in good spirits. So at this point in time, we don't know how long he's not going to be in Washington, but any but he cannot participate in any votes whatsoever. 
And like I said, just a little butterfly sort of floating around Kevin McCarthy's office. 7.44 a.m. No more proxy voting. And this will show those goddamn Democrats and I mean businessmen. Um, Mr. Speaker, yeah, I'm just tweeting here about no more proxy voting. Uh, Sir Greg Stubbe won't be able to show up for votes for a while because he fell off a ladder while he was cutting brush on tree limbs on his property. Fuck! <laughs> All right. I want a memo to go out. I don't want to hear about not one member of my carcass out there cutting tree limbs on a 25-foot ladder. I don't want y'all using ladders. No, this memo goes out to the whole carcass. No ladders. Nobody uses a ladder. Don't walk under them either. Greg Stubbe might drop a goddamn chainsaw on you. Son of a... God... Wasn't supposed to be this hard. There was supposed to be a red wave. A red wave. Everybody said there's going to be a red wave. I believe that dude who said it's going to be a red wave. <sighs> now I'm sitting here and I could be taken. I could be taken out by Lauren. One motion by Lauren Bobblehead Boobert. Four of her pals. Oh wait, three of her pals, and the entire Democratic caucus. God damn it! What did I ever do? And then, and then, you know, Spotify kicks in with the, oh, I don't know, um, Dwight Yoakam singing the streets of, and Buck Owen singing the streets of Bakersfield. You don't know me, but you don't like me. You say you care less how I feel. You wouldn't sit and judge me if you'd ever walk the streets of Bakersfield. Oh, yes, we would, Kevin. And I've got a sneaking suspicion the goddess of irony is judging you real hard, sugar. Hey, uh, yeah, we got an addition for the the latter memo. And for God's sake, don't let Marge or Representative Forehead handle sharp objects. Well, no, uh, give Representative Forehead all the sharp objects. Encourage him to juggle. Oh, motherfucker. I swear, I don't want to see one of you handling a fork in the congressional dining room. You hear me? It's spoons for the bunch of you. So, uh, as CNBC reports... It is unclear whether Stubbe will be unable will be unable to travel to what again with the language. Well, I know that if I have to flee, maybe there's somewhere needs a copy editor. It is unclear whether Stubbe will be unable to travel to No. Right now it's abundantly clear that he's unable to travel because he fell off a twenty five foot tall fucking ladder with a chainsaw in his hand. Let's fix that, shall we? It is unclear whether Stubby will be able 
to travel to Washington, D.C. to perform his duties, and if so, for how long? And if so, when? A third-term congressman from Florida's 17th Congressional District, Stubbe had recently been named to the powerful House Ways and Means Committee. He won his latest election with nearly 64% of the vote, so that means the people in his district are everybody every bit as hateful and stupid as he is. Probably a goddamn... He was probably up on the ladder because some other maggot was up on their ladder. Maybe he was making sure that the limbs weren't blocking access to the special satellite dish that receives the special communications from down there at Magaloco. Uh, of course, uh, Joe Scarborough went to Twitter and said, uh, Our family's prayers go out to Congressman Stubbe this morning. We pray for Greg's speedy recovery and pray also that he and his family will be surrounded with love and support. I'm all for the love and support. But I hope he doesn't get back to Congress for a long damn time. Because, well, over there on Ways and Means, um, do the maggots even have a majority on that committee right now? And curiously, he's also uh, he was also placed by weaker speaker uh, on the uh, what is it the uh, uh, the FBI is Nazis committee. Sorry, y'all. Karma's a bitch. But then again, I mentioned that uh, Representative Bonamici got run over a couple of days ago, a Democrat from Oregon. Well... Avoid, you know, the line used to, well, the line used to be for avoid small aircraft. Avoid power tools. But again, he could have just, well, Steve from Georgia stands out there having a giggle. LMFAO should have called the guy. These asshats did away with proxy voting. For the record, I do not wish anything hurtful on anyone. However, that stated old Kevo may have him wheeled in unconscious with puppet strings on his voting hand. Should have called the guy. Ponder this, says Steve in New York, feeling philosophical. When has this set of facts not yielded a life-threatening result? Chainsaw, ladder, 25 feet, fell backwards. All we're missing here, and it is Florida, is a rock-solid, hey, y'all, watch this. 
kind of like SB 252 in, in, in West Virginia. Everybody was having a hissy about Oklahoma and its Millstone Act, and West Virginia said, Hey, you Okies, hold our hillbilly beer. Brian, thank you so much for jumping in. Brian in Georgia. Uh, that means we are now down to $560 to go to get caught up fundraising. Can't thank you enough, Brian. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That means a ton. You and Ralphs and um, our buddy Christopher, thank you all for being members of the a la carte committee this evening during the program, and thank you so much to Lori for the have a, have a show on me. Uh, Kyle says, uh, I guess he's okay. I'd have to look somewhere I don't want to find him, if you know what I'm getting at, but in all seriousness, they're doing well, and thanks for asking. He's, unwit- uh, he's unwittingly raising three young progressives, though, which is the greatest thing. Glad everybody's okay. Thanks, Kyle. I like that unwittingly raising three young progressives part. Kind of like how I felt uh, about the Republicans with this bill. On the one hand, you go, you, you want to say, you know, I hope every one of you sorry motherfuckers that, 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 that vote for this bill wind up with a trans kid. But that comes off wrong. Because that makes it sound like it would be some sort of a curse on their good Christian family. It's not. And for that matter, I would absolutely be horrified for the well-being of any any kid, not just trans, but any kind of LGBTQQQIA plus person in one of these sickening right-wing maggot families. I'd be worried sick for their well-being. Kind of like the way I'm still worried about Rafaelito Eduardo Cruz, the anointed booger-eating future King of America's daughter. I'm sure they've got her locked away uh, in some godforsaken conversion therapy camp where she's getting electroshocked every time she thinks another girl is pretty. It's like something out of um, Clockwork Orange. Thank you, Colin. Thank you for jumping in. We're now down to, uh, let's see, 525. That's profound. We've actually gotten uh, part of yesterday funded. Thank you. Jack in Shreveport says, Morning Joe should have used one of those imprecatory prayers. Heck, all the conservatives seem to know how to do that as they showed us a number of years ago. Yeah, praying for Michelle Obama to be a widow and Sasha and Malia to be orphans. That's the love of Jesus Christ, y'all. Ain't it beautiful? Um, 
Oh, what's this? Irish Dave. Headline. Internal GOP scandal Mars McCarthy's first days as House speakers. Speaker. A scandal has erupted inside the Republican Party marring House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's first days at the new job. Representative Vern Buchanan of Florida. Vern's in the next district over to by Greg Stubbe. Yeah, uh, it, Vern's real pissed off because the weaker speaker fucked Vern. Vern's 71 years old. He's got seniority coming out the gazoo. He's filthy freaking rich. He's a donor whisperer down there. And he was in line to be chair of Ways and Means. But instead, weaker speaker installed some little lick spittle. And it got so bad that it got to sound, I think I mentioned this on the Malloy program talking with Tara, it got so bad that it got to sounding like something out of The Godfather. Vern, Vern Buchanan went up to, uh, I think it was, uh, well, it may have been McCarthy himself, and said, I knew it was you, Fredo. I knew it was you. Uh, he actually <laughs> cussed the fuck right out of Kevin McCarthy. I knew it was you, Fredo. You fucked me! You fucked me! I knew it was you who whipped against me. You were whipping against me. And Vern Buchanan, and I, I, I'm, I'm absolutely in agreement with this uh, potential outcome. Uh, Vern Buchanan may actually just resign from Congress. And... So with Greg Stubbe still hearing the sound of a chainsaw in his ears, ring, why Why did I call the guy? And maybe George Soros finally gets pushed out because they don't want to be around a drag queen. Let's see, Vern Buchanan, Greg Stubbe, George Santos, that, and I suck at math, equals three. Oh my. That's almost tinglesome. Oh, thanks, Brian. And Stephen New York says Republican prayer. I would like to offer a prayer to end the horrible suffrage of all Republican women. <laughs> Probably sign that petition. Okay, one more thing. It's not prayer meeting Wednesday, but uh, this still matters. It's, uh, well, we're going to have another one of those cases. This one is about Cindy Wilker. Cindy Wilker calls herself an angry old lesbian. And being as how she's a retired Marine... She's not prone to let people push her around. 
She's 62 years old. She lives, of course, in Florida. And one day she just happened into a florist shop because she wanted to get some roses for her beloved. I mentioned that she's a lesbian, an angry old lesbian. That's what she calls herself. Because uh, Cindy Wilker walked into this florist shop, tried to buy some roses, and the good God-fearing, upstanding, Bible-believing, Christ-centered, evangelical, fundamentalist, homosexual, Christian Republican proprietor said, when she said she was looking for roses, said, looked at Cindy Wilker and said, what are you? I know what that feels like. I had a drunk dude stare me down and say, what the fuck is wrong with you? And it goes through you. Even if you're pretty damn strong. And it traumatized Cindy Wilker. And so she says, every every time now when I walk into a store, I wonder, are they going to say something? Are they going to embarrass me? So now the Supreme Court of the United States, our most puissant, dread sovereign, Supreme Catholic Majesties, have decided that they will hear this case. The case of the florist who who refused to sell roses to the lesbian because her being a lesbian somehow violates their closely held religious beliefs. In accepting the case, the Supreme Court will decide whether the First Amendment protects the right of a florist to refuse to do business with someone they merely suspect. Is LGBTQ. Now, that's not how Liberty Lobby or uh, 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 the Alliance Defaming Freedom or whatever uh, grifty legal chop shop handles this case will frame it. They'll say that my client can't be compelled to do business with somebody and endorse same-sex marriage. Because it's, again, my beliefs. And there she is, our old nemesis, Kristen Wagoner, chief grifter and head pettifogger for the Alliance Defaming Freedom, declaring, No one should be forced to say something they don't believe. It's not the government that should be making that choice. Oh, you stupid sack of shit. No one asked that goddamn florist to believe any fucking thing. She just, Cindy Wilker just wanted to buy some goddamn roses. But the filthy homophobic bigot suspected. Suspected. 
Why is this flora still in business? Why are there not a thousand protesters outside the florist every fucking day explaining to people that what uh, that, that what doing business with that florist will actually mean that they endorse the hate and the filth and the bigotry? Oh, but no. No, no. This will follow. And, and you know what? The fact that they've decided to take this case tells me how they're going to decide the case of the website designer who has never been asked to design a website for a gay wedding but is afraid to because she might be held accountable under a human rights statute. Stephen New York says, uh, angry lesbian, if the court does rule against the former Marine, there goes all federal civil rights laws. Meanwhile, Cindy Wilker is traumatized. She said, we always have to be leery. The only way we can fight back is to shop in places that support us or at least acknowledge that we exist. Well, this isn't that far different. from what African Americans were undergoing in Jim Crow. We are headed for a rainbow crow. But Matt Sharp, who's senior counsel at the Alliance Defaming Freedom, says, It's never about the individual. It's always about the specific message. And that's how they've gotten these our, our, our most puissant, dread, sovereign, supreme Catholic majesties to go along with them. Once upon a time, Justice Anthony Kennedy, who uh, quickly retired so that Nitwit Nero could appoint Brat Kavanaugh, said... They ask for equal dignity in the eyes of the law. The Constitution grants them that right. That was in Obergefell. But old Balls and Strikes dissenting in Obergefell said, uh, Hard questions arise when people of faith exercise religion in ways that may be seen to conflict with the new right to same-sex marriage. There is little doubt that these and similar questions will soon be before this court. Well, of course they are, because you, you fuck, keep voting to accept them. It's not like this is some sort of random bingo ball popping up to the uh, to the top of the hopper. People of faith, my ass, especially Christians. When your Christianity is defined by the people you hate, I'm pretty sure when you get to that great getting up morning, 
and you're standing before the seat of glory, Jesus H. Christ is going to pinch your head off and toss it down into hell for the little demons and imps to use as a goddamn soccer ball. To tell people that they cannot discriminate against people on the basis of their sexuality is no different whatsoever than telling people they cannot discriminate against people on the basis of their the color of their skin. And how can I say this? I can say this because at the height of the civil rights movement, well, if this bunch had been on the court then, you never would have gotten the result you got in Brown versus Board of Education. Because they would have held that these bigots and racists had closely held religious beliefs that Negroes were inferior to white people. And they believe that because they are people of faith. Sorry for that word. But there's an actual history of people pleading that during the civil rights struggle. Well, if they were supposed to be equal to us, God would not have marked them as he cursed Cain when, as he, no, as he cursed Ham when Ham done got off the ark, for Ham was a son of Noah. And God cursed him to be a Negro. And that's how we have Negroes. It's real. It's there. It can be found with a simple search. It was all over the place. says right there in the New Testament, slaves obey your masters. That was the argument they were making in the 1850s. That was the argument that underpinned Chief Justice Roger Taney writing that a black man has no rights that a white person is obliged to respect. And this filthy gang in the Supreme Court now, which apparently has a pair of conspirators in it, they may as well say the same thing in these cases. A lesbian has no rights which a Christian is obliged to respect. Damned if I can see the difference. But of course, if you say that to a maggot, yeah, well, being a lesbian is a lifestyle choice. No, scrapbooking is a lifestyle choice. Going to SEC football games and barbecuing is a lifestyle choice. And I'd like to know when these freaks chose to be straight. Wow, did I just fill a, uh, fill a robster for three hours? 
Almost. Yeah. I did. And the stack <laughs> still speaking of racism. Now there was a trial in the whole dominion of Virginia uh, this week. Back in 2020, police officers pulled over a U.S. Army lieutenant, a commissioned officer in our armed forces. They pepper sprayed him, they shoved him to the ground, and they handcuffed him in Windsor, Virginia. He sued for a million dollars in compensatory damages, Second Lieutenant Karan Nazario did, a black man and a Latino. He said both his First and Fourth Amendment rights were violated. The police officers, Joe Gutierrez and Daniel Crocker, claimed that uh, he, he uh, evaded police. The fact of the matter is, there was body camera footage and car camera footage on the on the video, notice I didn't say film. On the video, it shows these two cops squaring off at him with their guns drawn. They eventually let him go. No charges were filed against him, but. Uh, they pulled him over because he had a dark SUV with dark tinted windows, and they claim he had no license plate, but lo and behold, it was a brand new car, and the temporary tag was clearly visible on the cop car video in the rear window of the automobile. And then the petty foggers from the cop union said, yeah, well, he drove 1.1 miles after they turned the lights on. And Lieutenant Nazario said, yeah, I did. I was looking for a place to pull over that was well-lighted because I was scared to death. A Commonwealth's attorney named Anton Bell decided that no charges should be preferred uh, criminally against these two uh, pigs. And the jury hearing the civil suit for $1 million awarded Lieutenant Nazario $2,685. for each cop for the illegal search they performed of his vehicle. And $685. in compensatory damages for having his very life threatened. Merka. Greatest country in the history of the world on earth now, today, forever, in the universe under God. Would news outlets be allowed to 
report this story in Florida? If schools still have current events classes, would it be legal to talk about this there? If you are an oath-sworn officer in the United States Army, how do you feel about what you are or the country you are serving? Because Lieutenant Nazaro is active duty. And if the if 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 the if the temporary tag was visible to the cop camera, what were these two pigs thinking? Well, I mean, that's got dark and it is a dark SUV with dark windows. I bet there's somebody dark inside. Let's get them, Cletus. You know, there's one of these. It's almost one of these a day. And one last story that I wanted to make sure that we uh, get to. This is creepy as hell. And this is the intersection of environmental justice and human rights and racial justice. Because they so often go hand in hand. Story comes out of Atlanta. I've got a terrible account of the story by UPI, once owned by Reverend Sun Myung Moon. I don't know who owns it now. It's pretty right wing. It's been more than a year that protests have been taking place in a forest in the Atlanta area. The people who live in the area surrounding the forest are largely communities of color. The Atlanta Police Foundation wants to build a humongous cop training facility in the Wilani Forest. The communities of color that surround the Wilani Forest are almost unanimous in their in their de- absolutely clear statement that they do not want this thing built. The purpose of this thing will be to teach cops how to engage in urban warfare with mostly unarmed citizens. It's got private funding from corporate sponsors. Like I said, protests have been going on for a year. People have been arrested for engaging in civil disobedience at the site. The protesters exercising their First Amendment right to petition government for redress of grievances have, since it is Georgia, been charged with domestic terrorism.
The Atlanta Journal-Constitution says that some of the protesters have thrown Molotov cocktails, rocks, and other objects at police and contractors. And yet we know the long history of police acting as agents provocateurs and throwing the Molotov cocktails and throwing the rocks. And now the cops have gunned down a protester. Absolutely sickening. The cops gunned down a climate activist in Atlanta. Corporate funders of this uh, urban warfare training facility, multi-millions of dollars. Now, those corporate sponsors include Amazon, Home Depot, Delta Airlines, And this may be one of those accidental killings, kind of like the ones that are uh, happening in occupied Palestine. Global Witness recently noted that around the world, 1,700 climate activists have been murdered in the last 10 years. It is possible that this was cold-blooded murder of people trying to uh, to protect a community and a forest. And it's absolutely shocking and horrifying. By the way, this urban warfare training facility will be the largest police training facility in the United States of America. And apparently some Georgia trooper got shot. We don't know by whom we got a pretty good idea of who shot the climate activist and civil rights activist and human rights activist. Because guess what? They're all the same thing. Environmental rights are human rights. The rights of BIPOC people are human rights. Gay rights are human rights. Trans rights are human rights. Women's rights are human rights. And in a rising fascist America, the cops need to perfect their strategy and tactics. For crushing dissent. So that's the program. How about that? A three-hour filler robster. I've enjoyed it. I hope you have too. 
However you listen to the program, please like and subscribe and tell your friends and neighbors. Let's get more people in this conversation. Let's spread the information. Let's share and reason together. Thanks to our Patreon and PayPal subscribers. Thanks to our a la carte contributors. Thank you, Lori and Christopher and Colin and Ralphs and Brian. Thank you so much. Thanks to each and every one of you who share in this program in whatever manner you so choose. Thanks to our all-volunteer staff. Thanks to Sparky and Steve and Roger in the chat room. Thanks to our news ninjas. Thank you, Brother Deacon Asa, head on dot live. Remember, brand new, fresh Malloy on the way, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Pacific. The best place to listen to the first run of Malloy is always head on dot live because, hey, no commercials. Thank you, John Fox in Australia. Thank you, Ben Birch, whiterosesociety.org. Again, I remind you, uh, if, uh, um, oh, and thank you, Kevin. Wait a minute. I, ooh, I almost missed that. Thank you, Kevin and Tracy. Thank you so much. Uh, we are now down to, uh, I think, $495 to go. Fundraising wise, so that means tomorrow will only be seven ninety five. I say only because we have had some shockingly higher um, fundraising deficits. Thank you. But again, uh, if you'd like, check out the Dr. Bill O'Brien archive at WhiteRoseSociety.org. You'll find a lot of stuff there that we'll, I think you'll uh, discover is really special. And you might, uh, Brother Deacon Asa, if you're listening, you know everything about the Horn Archive. Um, if you could tell me where the uh, Kevin Shanley interviews are, I really appreciate it. I'd like to put those on a thumb drive for Dr. Bill as a memento mori. Thanks to the hardest working, bravest people, I know the folks at Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net, 20 plus years at the forefront of the struggle for human rights and environmental justice in Appalachia, and a proud union shop for a year now. Please stay safe, get your booster, get your flu shot, wipe down your surfaces, help stop the spread of RSV in this tridemic winter. Time to wear those masks, because they are a disease-spreading lot, the maggots. Wash your hands, don't touch your face, use your hand sanitizer, carry some with you, pocket or purse. Maintain your social distance 15, 15 to 20 feet, like Paul from Parts Unknown says. And for pity's sake, if some maggot comes towards you with a chainsaw in their hand, saying, you know, I'm going to go cut me some limbs on my 25-foot ladder, avoid... Avoid that wily coyote maggot like the plague, because he is. And always, 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 Gina, 
It's all for you. Later.